Hi, and welcome to the Hormonal Mama podcast. I am your host, Kara Drusher. Today, we are talking about infertility and skin, how different infertility treatments, but also just infertility in general, can affect the skin and the things that you can do to keep your skin healthy and clear and worry-free. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. So I think the first thing to talk about in this episode is why I titled it Disaster or Delight, Actual Effects of Infertility on Healthy Skin. So what I mean by that is that there are really a couple of different things that can happen to the skin and one can feel disastrous and the other one can feel delightful. I know that sounds cheesy, but let me break it down for you so that you understand exactly what I mean. So the very first thing to keep in mind in understanding infertility and skincare is really understanding that everybody's skin is different. I, I say it all the time. You know, you hear all the time, body type, body type, body type. Yes, everybody fits into specific body type categories, but with the caveat that all of our bodies are different. Our skin is no different than that. We can all fit into certain categories, oily skin, dry skin, sensitive skin, rosacea, mature skin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, even if your skin fits into one of these categories, that doesn't mean it's going to be exactly the same as someone else's skin who fits into that category. For example, the oily skin category, not everybody with oily skin is going to have acne breakouts. Not everyone with acne breakouts has oily skin. Same thing with dry skin. A lot of people with dry skin have acne breakouts, but a lot of people with dry skin don't have acne breakouts. So it's really important to understand everyone's skin is different. And that, that right there is why we have two different results with certain things. Sometimes they're disastrous. Sometimes they're delightful. So that hopefully helps you understand this ridiculous title that I came up with for this episode. Now, to really break things down even more, I want to talk for a couple of minutes about infertility and what it means so that you can sort of understand. It's not imperative to what I'm talking about, but I think it's a good thing to understand because infertility can be very confusing. If you either, I don't know, let's say you've never heard of infertility, you have no idea what it means. You might mix it up with sterility or someone being sterile. I did. Before I was diagnosed with infertility, I had no idea that these were two very different things. Now, if you're going through infertility, you may also not understand the difference. So let me tell you a little bit about it. Let's talk about what infertility is and then what sterility is. And again, this is just important to understand a little bit as I go through all of the details in dealing with the skin and all of the hormones so that you understand the difference here. So. First thing to keep in mind, infertility kind of has a couple of definitions. The broad definition, which I got from dictionary.com, is the persistent inability to achieve conception and produce an offspring. That's pretty straightforward. But when you break it down a little bit more and you get a little less broad and very specific, what we're talking about is infertility is an inability to conceive after a set period of time. So we're talking, I mean, I guess I like to say the difference is infertility when you're talking about like animals or something. But when you're talking about humans, we get specific. Infertility, according to the CDC, I'm going to read this directly from the CDC website. In general, infertility is defined as not being able to get pregnant or conceive after one year or longer of unprotected sex because fertility in women is known to decline steadily with age. 
Some providers evaluate and treat women aged 35 years or older after six months of unprotected sex. I fell into that category. I was 30. I was over 35 when I started fertility treatment. And I think I was 37. That doesn't sound right, but something like that. I think I might have been 35, actually. And since it had been more than six months, but not even quite a year, that's when I started my treatment. So again, this really depends on age. But when we talk about sterility, so a lot of the time people think that these are the same thing, but they're not technically. They can, and not that be the same thing, but someone who is infertile could be sterile. But some, not everyone who is infertile is sterile. So let me give you the definition of sterility. And I love this definition from Ovia Health. I think that they came up with an excellent way to describe this. So their description is, a person who is clinically sterile is unable to conceive, whether through medical or surgical intervention or through assisted reproductive technologies. The example here would be IVF is kind of the, the most well-known um, assisted reproductive technology. Sterility is most commonly a result of a medical condition or surgical procedure like a vasectomy, hysterectomy, or ectopic pregnancy that results in the removal of a fallopian tube. Chromosomal disorders like Klinefelter's syndrome could also result in sterility. So that to me is really helpful in understanding the difference between these two conditions. Sterility cannot conceive, even with medical intervention. Infertility is kind of a broader term that says that you have an inability to conceive after one year or six months of actively trying. But sometimes, I mean, I, I don't know the exact statistics here. I don't know the number breakdown. But the difference is some people dealing with infertility will not be able to conceive even with medical intervention. However, some people who are dealing with infertility will be able to conceive with intervention at some point point. So that to me is a really, really great way to understand the difference so that you don't feel so confused when we're talking about infertility and you're like, I don't understand what she is talking about. Hopefully that breaks it down a little bit for you and you kind of can see the difference. Now that you understand infertility, let's talk about hormones and what the effect is here. So there are a variety of hormone disorders that could potentially affect infertility. The important thing, again, to note here is there are a lot more than the list that I have going. I chose the five most common, the ones that people hear about the most, and I'm going to break those down for you. So they are PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, hyperthyroidism, and hypothyroidism. I'll talk a little bit more in a minute about the difference between these two. Anovulation, which means that the ovaries aren't releasing eggs, and endometriosis, which is when endometrial lining, which is the lining on the inside of the uterus, grows in other parts of the abdominal cavity that's not just inside of the uterus. And this has many complications. So again, these are the five most common. This doesn't mean that this is all of the hormonal disorders out there that can cause infertility. And not every single person um, with all of these is going to deal with infertility. PCOS is very common in infertility, but it's not always going to cause infertility. Same with hyper and hypothyroidism and endometriosis. And ovulation, I mean, that one, there's really... It's pretty straightforward. If you're not releasing eggs, you're not going to be able to conceive naturally. That's just the fact. Um, but 
Again, these five are specific hormonal disorders that frequently cause infertility. That being said, let's talk a little bit about what those specific hormones are with each condition. So the specific hormones, and I'll break these down a little bit more in a minute, are luteinizing hormone, testosterone, insulin, the thyroid hormones, thyroxine and triodothyronine, (laughs) it's very hard to pronounce that, follicle-stimulating hormone, estrogen, and progesterone. Okay, so that's seven hormones right there. There are, well, that's eight. There are other hormones, but those are the ones specifically for these conditions I talked about. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how these hormones affect the skin. So if you listened to my um, one of my episodes, Skin Anatomy 101, uh, I don't remember what, exactly what episode number that is, but I'll put it in my show notes so you can see that. That episode talked a lot about this, the layers of the skin. So you can kind of understand how the skin works, how everything is sort of interconnected, and understanding kind of what I'm talking about here might help a little bit. So Sebaceous glands. Let's talk about sebaceous glands. And and again, I'm going into a little bit of skin anatomy, very little bit. I'm not going into a lot of detail here. I just want to explain a little bit so that you can understand a little bit more about what's happening under the skin due to hormones in the body, excess hormones or not enough hormones. So sebaceous glands are attached to hair follicles. When testosterone, which I know you hear testosterone and you're like, well, that's a male hormone. But men and women both produce testosterone. It's just that men produce a lot more of it. Um, When testosterone is released in excessive amounts, it triggers the sebaceous glands to produce more sebum. Sebum is a very important substance for the skin. Okay, it's uh, produced by the sebaceous glands. And it's like a a waxy, thick, waxy oil that... um, coats, moisturizes, and protects the skin from friction. So it's a very important substance for the skin. However, when your body produces too much or an excessive amount of sebum, then you start dealing with things like acne because you have this buildup of oil that's just building up and building up and building up underneath the top layers of the skin. And when it builds up like that and has nowhere to go, then you start dealing with acne. So when testosterone is released in excessive amounts, that is when you start dealing with this type of issue. And PCOS is a prime example of excessive amounts of testosterone being released into the bloodstream. So when you deal with PCOS, there's so many symptoms, but one of them is often acne. Um, another issue is estrogen. So if we talk about a decrease in estrogen. We have the opposite effect. So drops in estrogen can cause thinning of the skin, wrinkles, lack of moisture, which results in dry, flaky, itchy skin, right? So you have too much testosterone. You got this, you know, crazy oil slicking. You get all these acne issues, but you have to drop in estrogen and suddenly you're like, where is all the moisture in my skin? Why is my skin so dry? You know, when you're dealing with skin issues, it's not always indicative of these hormone issues, but these hormone issues can cause skin issues. I hope that makes a little bit of sense here. We talk about the thyroid hormones. I think hypo and hyperthyroidism are very, very interesting. So let's kind of talk a little bit about what each of these conditions 
is hypothyroidism, right? Hypo means that something is low, right? Hypo. So that is when the thyroid gland gland is underactive. And when it is underactive, it causes the thyroid to not secrete enough of the thyroid hormones that I was talking about before. On the other hand, hyperthyroidism, right? Hyper is when there's too much. That's when hyperthyroidism is when the thyroid is overacting. And when it's overactive, it causes um, the gland to create too much of the thyroid hormones. So when you deal with an excess of the thyroid hormones in hyperthyroidism, it can cause similar effect to uh, a drop in estrogen, right? You deal with that thinning skin, but you also have other effects like red, swollen skin. While not enough of the thyroid hormones in hypothyroidism can cause dry, coarse skin and interestingly enough, a decrease in sweating. So your body's not producing these oils and the sweat. The sweat glands, sebaceous glands aren't producing all these lubricating um, uh, uh, substances to keep your skin moist. It's drying out your skin, causing this issue. Now, let's last in this section here, I want to talk about progesterone. So low progesterone causes problems like acne, brittle nails, and dry, cracked skin. So the thing that I think is really interesting is that the opposite effect here, that was low progesterone. But when you talk about excessive progesterone, you can have two different results. Now, this is where my disaster versus delight comes in. If you deal with an an excessive amount of progesterone, you can have two different results from the same effect. What do I mean? Well, an increase in progesterone can cause the skin to swell. And when it swells enough, it's kind of closing off the pores. It's swelling so much that the pores are like, ah, I can't can't push anything out. I'm getting kind of swollen shut here. And when it swells them shut, it can't allow the sebum to escape. Right. We talked about that a few minutes ago. But this is an issue with um, excessive progesterone. And what's really interesting here is you can get two results from this swelling of the skin. You can get first the delight, which is a nice glow to the skin, which you often see in early pregnancy. That's I know we're talking about infertility, but that's just a common thing, that pregnancy glow. The other effect here that can happen if you have an excessive amount of progesterone is the opposite. Oil, oil, oil oil, 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 so much oil that you just don't know what to do. A lot of the time you might think oil slick, right? That can happen. It just depends on the person. Everyone is different. So some people who deal with progesterone issues, excessive progesterone, again, even in early pregnancy, they might have this beautiful glow. It's like, wow, your skin is beautiful. Or the opposite effect where your skin is so oily and you start dealing with breakouts or not. You just have super oily, uncomfortable, oily skin all day. So it really depends. And again, that is where my delight versus disaster comes into play. Um, so again, this is just dependent on the person. Everyone is different. Just because you have an excessive amount of progesterone doesn't mean you're going to have a glowing skin or a glowing, not a glowing or the opposite. Just because you have this excessive amount of progesterone doesn't mean that you're going to have ultra crazy oily skin. It just depends. But these are two common issues from the same thing happening. 
Now, let's talk a little bit further. That's just dealing with infertility. But when you break it down, you get even further into this and we talk about actual fertility treatments. Think about this for a minute. Fertility treatments usually are going to be hormone treatments, right? Because when you deal with infertility, a lot of the time the issue is an imbalance of hormones. So fertility treatments are frequently going to be hormone treatments, which usually means that there's going to be an influx of hormones in the body. So going through fertility treatments, I know from personal experience, not fun. I went through a lot of fertility treatments, 14 cycles to be exact, which is a lot. And so I dealt with a lot of different hormones in my body. And while I didn't deal with a lot of skin issues, I dealt with the other side, which was a lot of mood swings. There is an example I have when I went through IVF and I got very upset one day ordering a cheeseburger at a restaurant and they didn't have the right kind of cheese. And I got angry and upset. And I remember sitting there with my husband and being so upset that they had American cheese and I wanted cheddar and I couldn't believe it. I wasn't even nice to the guy behind the counter. And I'm a very nice person. I'm always nice to people, especially in restaurants. Servers have a difficult job. I try and be nice. In this instance, I was not myself. But that's my experience. Your experience or someone's experience could be different and it could be affecting their skin more than their mood and you know mental sanity. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute. Common hormone treatments. Let's start with clomiphene citrate, which is better known as Clomid. Most people know of Clomid um, rather than clomiphene citrate. It is an oral medication. It is very um, hard to understand. Well, it's maybe not hard to understand. I find it can be difficult to explain. But a very simple definition or explanation here is that it stimulates ovulation by causing the pituitary gland to release FSH, which is follicle-stimulating hormone, and LH, which is luteinizing hormone. These hormones work to stimulate the growth of ovarian follicles, which contain an egg. So these two hormones in excessive amounts can cause skin issues. Next up, Gonadotropins are injectable hormones that stimulate the ovary to produce multiple eggs. So specific gonadotropin medications are uh, HMG, which which is human menopausal gonadotropin, FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, and HCG, the pregnancy hormone, that's human chorionic gonadotropin. So when your body is suddenly getting this influx of these hormones, you can have all kinds of results happen. Okay. Next up, metformin. Metformin, this is a little different. This is an oral medication that is used when insulin resistance is a known or suspected cause of infertility, which is most commonly going to be PCOS. Not in every case, but PCOS, metformin, is a common treatment. Metformin helps improve insulin resistance, which can improve the likelihood of ovulation. Again, metformin can cause, you know, with insulin changes in the bloodstream, just like any hormone, it can cause skin issues, dryness, oiliness. All of these different things can be caused by these hormones that you're putting into your body that maybe you didn't have in your body before. Uh, next up, letrozole, also known as Femara or Femara, E-F-E-M-A-R-A. There's another one that I took. It is similar to Clomid. In my experience, I had the same effect. I had hot flashes and mood swings. Didn't really have a lot of skin issues, 
but that's just me. Um, so it works similarly to Clomid, but through a different delivery system, and it can induce ovulation. Letrozole is more commonly um, used to treat different types of breast cancer, but it is also used in infertility because of what it does. If it can induce ovulation and cause someone to ovulate who maybe wasn't ovulating before, then it's doing its job, just like Clomid. And then those are really the top four. Again, there are so many other different types of hormone treatments. And then when you combine them in with IVF or IUI or, you know, any number of different assisted reproductive technologies, you might deal with other um, hormone, uh, you know, oral or injectable hormone treatments. These are the four that I just wanted to mention because I think it's just really good to understand there are all these different hormones. They have all these different effects on the skin. When you're dealing with infertility, you're already dealing with either an increase or a decrease of these hormones. Maybe you might not be. If you're dealing with unexplained infertility, you might not be dealing with any of these issues with hormones. But when you get into hormone treatments, that can change things. It all depends on the person. So the really interesting thing is hormone treatments could solve some of your skin issues, but on the other hand, it can cause more issues or other issues. So that's why I mention it. I think it's just something to keep in mind. So there are so many different things um, that can happen with these medications. So what is the solution? Well, it's really important to take care of your skin. You want to make sure that you are doing a regular skincare regimen or routine every day. You're cleansing your skin. You're toning your skin. You're moisturizing your skin. The two most important factors for me, both professionally and personally, cleanser, moisturizer. Those are really the two things you should be doing every day. And ideally, you should be doing them twice a day, once in the morning when you get up and before you go to bed at night. Well, why? Well, if you're cleansing your skin when you get up in the morning, think about what happens overnight. What happens overnight is your body, when you sleep, your body is getting a chance to regenerate. Well, it's the same thing with your skin. The cells are regenerating. You're, you're going to be having more dead skin cells coming to the surface. But when you sleep, you're also going to get a bit dehydrated because, well, you're sleeping for hopefully <laughs> eight hours or more. And if you're sleeping for eight hours or more, you're not drinking any water. You're not eating anything. So your body's going to get a little dehydrated. So in the morning, it's really important to cleanse your skin and then moisturize it. Putting that moisturizer on your skin is going to help attract moisture from the air to your skin so that your skin's not going to dry out and be dry and brittle. It's going to stay moisturizer, moisturizer, <laughs> moisturized and nice and plump. Very important. So cleanser, moisturizer. If, if there are only two products that you're ever going to use, those are the two you should be using. When you're dealing with hormonal changes like an infertility, it's just as important. You really want to make sure that you are doing a good job taking care of your skin and protecting it from any of these excessive changes that can happen with hormonal changes. Um, the other thing is making sure you're eating a good diet. Now, this doesn't mean every single day you're eating your hemp seeds and you're having your salads and you're making sure. No, you just need to make sure you're having a well-balanced diet because that is important for your skin. Water is the most important thing that you can do for your skin. If you're not drinking enough water, you're going to be dehydrated. You're going to deal with all of these issues. It might not make a ton of sense to you, but by drinking water, your skin gets 
um, hydrated. It gets moisturized. It's not just putting things on the surface of your skin that's good for your skin. So while skincare products are extremely important and it's very important to make sure that you're taking good care of your skin using the proper products for your skin type, which I may add may change throughout the year, different seasons. I have oily skin in the summer, dry skin in the winter. That's just me. But also with hormonal changes around your menstrual cycle, you might have more oily skin or, you know, some people even have the opposite. They might have dry skin. It really depends. So it's really important to pay attention to your skin and understand what your skin is doing month to month and, you know, season to season. Um, The other important things you can do for your skin, if you really want to take care of your skin and you really want to take good care of your skin, it's not just about cleansing and moisturizing. Cleanser, moisturizer, serum, toner, exfoliant, mask. All of these things are so important to taking care of your skin and having clear, beautiful skin that's healthy. So the effects of infertility on your skin, while you can't control what infertility is going to do to your skin, it's just not something you can control. You can control how your skin handles all of these changes. That's the important part, is making sure that you're doing your part to treat the issue. We're not trying to change what's happening because we can't. That's just not part of it. But what you can do is take good care of your skin. That is what I'm here for. That is my job is to tell you how to best take care of your skin so that you can handle the issues that are thrown at you. That that is what is most important. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you and understanding what you can do to help your skin. When you're dealing with infertility, there's very little that's under your control. That's just part of infertility. I know from my personal experience, it is stressful. It is hard. You feel like you just have no control over anything. And that is true. What you do have control over is your skin and how to take care of your skin and how to keep your skin healthy and looking good so that you can feel like, okay, everything is going to be all right. My skin feels good. All the other stuff, we'll deal with it as it comes. That is what I bring to you today. So I hope this was helpful. Stay tuned for my next episode where I'm going to be talking about pregnancy and how hormones affect the skin during pregnancy. I hope you'll join me.